Hey, what's going on, folks? Welcome back to the Graphic Design is Fun podcast. My name's Dan. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're ready for an exciting new episode. Today, we're chatting with Dorota Pankowska, also known as Dory the Giant. Dory is an art director working in advertising where she has been the brains behind some incredible ad campaigns for big names like Starbucks, Ikea, Kraft, Heinz, and many more. She is also the mastermind behind the wonderfully weird online store Wask, where she designs and sells strange objects, as she calls them, things like birthday candles that look like cigarettes, a heat-sensitive Rubik's Cube that changes colors when you touch it, uh, also candy disguised as a silica gel packet, the latter of which was recently featured in a video by the popular YouTube channel Vsauce, which actually that video now has uh, almost 20 million views. That's how I first uh, found out about Wask and Dory and just fell down the rabbit hole. And what a rabbit hole it is. Uh, Dory's body of work is humongous and, and every project, every single one is just so creative, so clever, so unique. Uh, it's, it's really incredible between the, the products that she makes for Wask, her advertising work, but then also dozens and dozens of just random creative projects that she's made over the past 10 plus years uh, just for the fun of it. Uh, and now, though she's not a graphic designer per se, I mean, she, she, she works in every possible medium, basically. Um, but that includes graphic design, and she's a very skilled graphic designer. Uh, she's made lots of fantastic posters and logos. Anyway, so much to talk about with Dory. Uh, it was a great episode. We certainly didn't cover everything, um, but we talked about how she got into advertising, how she got into making and selling physical products, how she comes up with ideas and kind of her advice for sort of uh, generating these creative ideas and also kind of going into the various challenges she's faced bringing these ideas to life. And that's really what honestly really inspires me about Dory is her passion and determination when it comes to, yeah, taking an idea from her brain and finding a way to make it a reality. She's a remarkable person, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Without further ado, Dorota Pankowska. Actually, what's the story behind Dory the Giant? So, in 2019, I wanted to start some sort of creative blog because that's when I decided I really wanted to pursue creativity and actually start putting it up online. And back then, Blogger was kind of a big community for all sorts of blogs, and everyone was always commenting on each other's blogs. It was this really cool thing, actually. It doesn't really exist anymore. Wait, did you say 2019? 2009. 2009. <laughs> oh okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always get the years confused at this point. 2009, yes. Um, and everyone had some sort of fun names for the blogs. And right. I wanted something to do with my name, maybe, and something about how I like making things, but I'm also kind of a small person. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just kind of thought of, I'm kind of a small person, but I want to try to make big things. I love that. Okay, so speaking of getting started, as you said, like posting things online in 2009, 
what's like pre 2009 for you like yeah were you like a, a creative kid i assume like always into like making stuff and just like trying out different things sort of yeah i always was a little bit creative my whole life but i never really knew where that could lead me or what kind of a job i can get from that especially because everybody around me was telling me that there's no money in art and you can't really get a job in art and things like that. Yeah. So I never really pursued it, especially in high school. I kind of decided that I hate art <laughs> because Ooh, I was wow. like, yeah, I was like, what am I going to do with art? I have no idea. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to pursue it. So for all of high school until I was maybe 17, I kind of avoided it, but it always kind of came down to me always craving to do creative things no matter what. So I felt like it is a part of me and I should try to embrace it and pursue it after all, even if my parents might not like it or if I really don't know how I'm going to make money in the future. I knew that I did want to pursue it. So I kind of switched and I decided to just go like full into creative things. Okay, wow. And that was like out of high school. Yeah. Did you go to school after high school or like what what was the next step there? Yeah, I knew I wanted to do something creative, but I didn't know what's out there. Um, but I did know that photography was a creative thing. And I also did enjoy it too when I took photography in high school. So I just decided that that's what I wanted to do in college. So I went to school for photography. It was a two-year program. And it was really intense, actually. Um, but yeah, huh. I enjoyed it. Interesting. Okay, okay. That kind of, like, that's kind of surprising, but it kind of makes sense. Because, like, there's, like, a good amount of photography, like, in, in the work that you do. But there's also so much more. Like, when, when, when you were studying photography, you were thinking, like, this is, like, what I want to do? Or you were thinking, like, oh, this is okay, but what else can I get my hands on kind of thing? Yeah, actually, sort of like that. Basically, in school, anytime we had a photography project, I always wanted to try to make it more creative and try to add some sort of concept to it because that just really brought me joy to try to think outside <laughs> the box. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where teachers started telling me that maybe I should pursue something different, like getting into advertising, which at that point I knew nothing about. So... I didn't really know the world of jobs out there that had to do with concepts or um, ideas and stuff like that because they don't really teach you this kind of stuff in high school. Like I said, I was pretty clueless about what kind of jobs are out there, which is why I picked photography. And even now, I feel like I don't know about all the jobs in the world. There's just so much out there that no one teaches you. Mm. So because I started getting heavily into conceptual things and I was constantly putting projects out onto the internet, people from advertising kept finding me and everything was pushing me into advertising because right. that's one of the jobs um, as a creative in advertising where you can actually just think of ideas every day, all day as your job. I mean, obviously there's a lot more to it, but ideas are the main core of it. Right, 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 right. Okay, this is all making sense to me, like your kind of uh, tra trajectory. So yeah, I, I, I guess let's like circle back on like, posting stuff online and people finding it because um, 
Well, actually, okay, wait. Before we get into like too much, I just want to say, man, you are wildly impressive. Like your portfolio, which I don't even know what I would consider. Like you have your your uh, kind of like your ad campaign portfolio site, and then other creative projects just like throughout the years, and then also the the physical products that you sell. And it's just wild. Like there's so much and it's all so cool. And just like I could go through your 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 work and every project I was like, I love this. This is so clever, so, so original. And just like, I don't know, it just makes you smile. Anyway, just so you know, I think what you do is really awesome. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> but like, yeah, so 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 in terms of like the you know, 2009, you get your your blog going, you're 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 posting all these things and they're they're being shared on like different blogs and that kind of thing and then that's how you kind of found like your first few jobs in advertising pretty much something like that but when i first started putting stuff on my blog it was very slow at first because i had my blog and i think i also posted stuff on tumblr but i didn't get a lot of views or anything like that um so everything i did was sort of for myself at first so at first, obviously, I would just try little things like crafts and stuff, or mm -hmm. I would write poetry, or I would make a collage. I was basically kind of getting into everything just to see like how hard things are to do and seeing what other people are making. So just trying stuff and being exposed to all the projects on the internet wanted me to just keep leveling up. So that's kind of just what I was doing. It was just slowly trying things until one day I was at that level where something I made was picked up by all sorts of design blogs and websites and stuff. Do you remember what like the first thing was that kind of like got picked up by a lot of blogs? Yeah, so the first one was this street art series I made that I called Pro Bono Promo, where <laughs> I created these giant logos, which were kind of like graffiti logos on walls. Um, around my city, except instead of spray paint, I would make the actual logo from the product that the logo represented. So the giant Nutella logo would be made out of Nutella. I had Cheese Whiz, I had Heinz, and all sorts of things. Yeah, I uh, I saw that that one. I love that one so much. And it's so like, I think what I like about that one is that I could see... <sighs> Like I can see coming up with that idea and being like, oh, that's cool. But then the next step to actually go out and do it and like make it into a reality is almost as impressive as the, the concept itself. And like, like, cause, cause were you literally like, I'm just trying to understand this. Like you're out there with like a bunch of Nutella in like a, and like some kind of paintbrush situation. And you're just like pu pu putting these up on the walls. And is this like, like, because I feel like when you're doing graffiti, you don't want to get caught. But if it's just Nutella, is there anything wrong? Like, I don't know, like walk me through that uh, adventure because I'm sure that was like something, right? Oh, my God. Okay, those are some great questions. Um, <laughs> so first thing I want to point out is that this project was very cheap. It was probably around 20 bucks, maybe a little bit more because all I had to do was buy the products that I was going to use and... I bought Bristol board um, to make the stencils for the logos. Right. And then I basically just printed out the logos with my inkjet printer in pieces. 
Mm. And I would line them up under the light and tape them all together so that I, I had the big logos. And then I would cut them out in the Bristol board so that it's a sturdy stencil. Very cheap. I don't remember what I used to actually spread the, the stuff. Maybe <laughs> some sort of pallets or something. I don't remember. But yes, I had to do this at night not to get caught. And I had a friend with me helping me so that we could do everything very quick. Snap some phone pics. <laughs> Like yeah. some really bad pics and just <laughs> get out of there. And I also had questions myself of how how bad is it to put food on a wall if food is technically biodegradable? Is this as bad as graffiti? I actually didn't know what I thought of it myself. Um, and so many, many months later, I revisited the sites of where I put these things and in a lot of the places, it actually damaged the wall. So I think the worst one might have been the cheese was where <laughs> it literally stripped all of the paint off of the wall in that section. Oh, my God. So I did feel bad after and I did realize that, okay, food can be damaging too. <laughs> wow. That's cool, though. That's funny. And and like just like for people listening, there's dozens more of these like just silly cool creative projects that you've done over the years that are like on your website um i i i appreciate that you point out by the way that it wasn't like expensive to do because i think uh, me someone who, who's like in graphic design and probably most of the people listening who are more graphic designers there's definitely like a barrier between like digital and like doing uh, more like physical things yeah, something I, I like about your work and your like approach generally is that you do not hesitate to like make something physical in, in the real world. I don't know why there there's that barrier or that kind of like feeling. Yeah, I know what you mean because I've also actually met people who are creative, but they do hesitate about making physical things and they're very intimidated by it as well. I think people also should realize that you can make something pretty quickly and pretty inexpensively right now um especially starting off with something like enamel pins for example i know they've been trendy for a very long time now but enamel pins are probably the safe way into just uh starting off making physical things that are pretty cheap and you could have a lot of fun with it you can make a lot of money from it too and kind of go up from there an enamel pin was also one of my first physical items too. True, true. Yeah, uh, I, I guess that that leads us into kind of like what what you're doing with Wask and like selling selling these these physical products. You you so you started with enamel pins. When when was that that you like first made and sold your first like physical thing? So my first physical things were I believe in two thousand and. 14, I'm gonna make sure I get the year right. <laughs> 2014 was when I made, I believe my first enamel pen and my first actual plastic item with a manufacturer in China, which for me, I just dove right into the deep end and it was a big learning experience. Um, so that item was actually called something. It was this plastic block with the word something engraved on it. And it was inspired by nothing. It was inspired by products that other people, other designers have made called nothing. Okay. So I was kind of trying to be cheeky there. <laughs> and I actually have a blog entry that explains my entire journey with 
the something block, how hard it was to make, how much everything cost, what are all the challenges that I had with it and stuff like that. So oh, cool. I think the blog entry is linked from the main entry on my portfolio page, but yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a crazy one. Um, but I'm glad I did it because I learned some mistakes and I figured out how to maybe communicate better with manufacturers in the future. And yeah, I learned a lot of little things. So what what is it about the the physical products that, that you like? Or like what kind of drew drew you to that in the first place? Is it just sort of like you have these ideas and you just, you know, need, you, you just want to, to, to bring them to life? Yeah, for me, it's always about bringing an idea to life. It doesn't matter if it's physical or not. It's just that I have been leaning towards physical things in the last five years or more because I did start this online shop. So a lot of my time has been focusing on physical products that I can put in my shop, but I still have all sorts of other projects that I want to do that aren't necessarily physical items or they're not necessarily anything to do with my online shop at all. It's just harder to find time to do those types right. of projects nowadays, but I really do miss them. I miss just making something just to post it on my blog and get nothing right. from it. So yeah, I, yeah. I do want to do more of that stuff in the future still. But yeah, physical items for me, I just, I like physical items in the sense of bringing me some sort of comfort when I put them on a shelf or on a desk, um, things that I can attach memories to and things that I just think are unique and original. Those are kind of my favorite items. I like stationery. But I also like things that you could just have around your desk or in your creative space. So that's why everything for me so far is kind of small things and small objects. Right, right, right. And usually when I collect memories from a trip or just from anywhere as a memory, I like to have small items too because they don't take up a lot of space and a small item can hold a lot of sentimental value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I guess in, in terms of like coming up with these ideas, like there's the one element of bringing an idea into like reality, which obviously comes with its, its challenges. But in the first place, you have to have the idea and you seem to have a lot of these good ideas. What's like your, maybe it's like a cliche question, but how do you come up with all these ideas? Good question. But I actually think ideas are the easy part. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I think almost anybody could get ideas. I just think people don't really stop and take the time to brainstorm specific things. But I think even if I told you right now, like, why don't you sit down for the next hour and try to think of all the ways that you could modify dice and create some sort of unique dice set. If you spend an hour just writing down ways that you think you could modify it and all the different materials you could use or ways to play with the shape, ways to play with the pips, ways to play with the physics of it. You just need an hour to think of so many different ideas. And I think pretty much anybody can do it. And there is going to be variation in the results depending on your own experiences and the things that you've been exposed to. But I think anybody can think of ideas. It's just that most people don't really choose to. That's not really their thing. Um, or maybe they, they get intimidated by it, or maybe they don't have enough time for it. But that is the easy part, in my opinion. And there are many ways to get ideas, because for me, sometimes 
I don't get my ideas from a brainstorm session. Sometimes they're just from uh, zoning out in the shower or while I'm falling asleep. Or sometimes they come from conversations with friends. Or sometimes they come from actually misreading or mishearing something or even seeing something that I thought was something else. I actually have gotten some ideas that way too. Wow. Do you, do you have any... Uh, like examples, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but like anything you can think of, like a, a project you've had where you remember where or how you got the idea. Yeah, there's a few. <laughs> there's a few very random ones. So there's actually <laughs> one that I'm working on still that I don't want to reveal just yet, but the idea actually did come from me misunderstanding something that I read. Interesting. And that did spark an idea. And then there's another idea that I actually got in a dream once. It was this old project I made that was a die made from dice. So okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had like 200 dice or something like that. And that idea I got in a dream. And that's, wow. that's probably the only really good idea I got in a dream. I had another idea from a dream before, but it wasn't as good. So <laughs> yeah, very rare, but fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that that's interesting that you consider it the easy part. And actually, you're yeah, I'm sure you're right about that. And I think the the sitting down to just brainstorm ideas is the kind of thing that now that you say it, it makes perfect sense. Like, of course, if you just have a, a general premise and you just think about it for an hour, you're there's a good chance you might come up with, with something cool. But I think, yeah, I think a lot of people just wouldn't even think to to take that kind of brainstorming session in the in the first place. So for you, the hard part is not so much coming up with the ideas. It's like, oh, now that I have this idea, how do I bring it to life? Yeah, that's yeah, the hard yeah. part. Yeah. I have a lot of ideas that are just sitting on paper because I have no idea how to make them or they'd be too expensive to make. Right. And sometimes I take forever to make a project too. like. Last night, I actually released these tiny little metal push pins. Yeah, I saw those. That oh, cool. I wanted to make them in 2017. But oh, wow. at that time, I couldn't find a manufacturer within my budget. And I didn't know how to model it either. I mean, I still don't really know 3D modeling. I just know some very, very, very basic stuff. But Cool. So you you <laughs> modeled those in, in 3D? Yeah, but it was very basic. Like cool. like I said, I only know like three things to do in 3D modeling right now, but I, I want to learn more. It's just, mm -hmm. that's one of those things that for me isn't very intimidating. Yeah. So huh. I'm like easing my way in. That's so cool. Yeah, wow. I, I think that's another thing people can hopefully like take away from this or from like looking at your work is yes, like maybe some like learning a new skill, like learning like 3D modeling is intimidating, but even if you just learn the very basics, you can already kind of start to do some some cool things. And I feel like the same goes for like, you know, just learning some basics when it comes to like illustration or being able to make a website or some like basic photography. Yeah, I think that's cool. And like, good for you for just being like, I'm going to learn to like 3D model. What What software do you use? Well, my friend taught me a few tricks. That's why. That's probably what helped my fear of doing it is that I actually yeah. had someone sitting beside me being like, okay, if you click this and you click this, <laughs> this happens. And that I'm always like, helps. Wow. So right now it's 
Fusion 360. There's there's so many programs out there though. Yeah, there are, yeah. I don't really know the differences. Me neither. <laughs> Me neither, yeah. I've used Cinema 4D, um, which is pretty good, I guess. I don't know. I, I like it, but I know lots of people use Maya and Blender and yeah, there's like a million, but yeah. Uh, anyway, that's cool. Always learning new stuff. Okay, so let's talk about like the, the, the ad campaigns that you've worked on. So like if I'm kind of following right like you you're you're posting these things on your blog random sort of fun silly creative projects sometimes they kind of go semi-viral and they get shared people see them and then you get asked to like work on these ad campaigns and now you've worked on some like big ones starbucks ikea heinz ketchup like some like big brands um what what's like the process of one of those and like, what's your role exactly in something like like the Starbucks commercial or Ikea commercial or one of those? So I basically got into advertising as an art director in 2015. Um, so I worked full time in a few agencies since then. And then last year I started freelancing and advertising. But all of that is while working full time. So there's a lot to it. There's working with my writer partner on brainstorming ideas and then we create a presentation deck for the client and pitch our ideas and then when one is chosen it's like all right now into production we're basically there every step of the way we might go to the casting if it's a commercial and then we'll go on set and see it get filmed and make sure everything's going well and then we go to the editing editing houses to edit the commercial there's just like so much to it it's a it's a crazy job, but um, there's there's a lot of fun parts to it, and then a lot of stressful parts to it. What I love about it, the fact that you get to work on a project and you get to see it come to life from the idea to the final thing. Um, even even if it's just a small part of a team project, that's still exciting for me because a lot of these projects in advertising, there's going to be a lot of people on your team and a lot yeah. of people making it happen, which is actually pretty amazing because that's how you can make something way better. You like everyone pitches in their thoughts. Everybody can make the quality of this thing better as a team. It's just really amazing versus everything I do outside of advertising is just usually just me. So mm -hmm. I'm very limited with my resources, very limited with my budgets, with the people I know that can help me with certain problems. So everything right. I do outside of advertising is usually very small compared to all the really big, cool stuff you can actually make in advertising. Right. You kind of have the best of both worlds in that like working on your own personal things, you get like the you're in full control of everything. And then with like the working in advertising, like you said, it's a team effort, but you can do much, much bigger things. Yeah. And yeah, speaking of your own personal things, like I said, when I messaged you, I first came across your your, your website in the first place from the Vsauce video, of course. For, for people listening, one of the products that you sell is uh, a silica gel packet, but it's actually candy. And like it has the do not eat written on it, which, yeah, I love it. And just kind of like one of these like cheeky ideas, but you already knew Vsauce and then he decided to like make this video to to promote your your product 
And how did how did you meet him in the first place? So the beauty of making creative projects and putting them on the internet is that sometimes you never know who's going to find them and interact with your work. That's yeah. basically what happened here in 2012 and 2013. Cinemagraphs were very popular. So basically they were animated GIFs that are made from uh, usually from a video, but everything in the image becomes still except for one moving part. So it might be that the whole image is still, but someone's hair is blowing. Or maybe the whole image is still, but someone's hand is moving. Basically, you're using like masking and things like that to only bring like one section of the image to life. It was this very kind of creepy thing when it first came out, when people were seeing it for the first time. And I fell in love with it too when I first saw them going around Tumblr and stuff. So I wanted to try to make my own. And of course, mine weren't that great. I didn't have the best equipment and I always had issues looping certain things perfectly. But I did my best. And there was one that I did of my sister and she's at the park and there's sand all around her and she's sitting down in the sand and she's cupping some sand in her hands and it's spilling out of her hands. And I basically put that on loop. So it's a still image, but the sand just keeps flowing. And also her bracelet is kind of moving in the wind. Okay, cool. And one day I saw that, I think it might've been on Tumblr, it started getting all of these notes and all of these hits on Tumblr. And I had no idea why, because I wasn't used to that happening a lot. And it took me, I swear, oh my gosh, it took me, ages to actually track down this tweet from Michael Stevens where he posted the animated GIF or something and I don't remember what he said but I finally found it and I was really excited so I I was like I don't know who this is but I'm gonna follow this person and then I mm. interacted and I was like thank you for sharing my image or something <laughs> like that and um, I think he followed me back and then a few weeks later next thing I know is that he emailed me because he went through my blog and saw my other stuff and he emailed me asking if I could maybe do some posters for him or something for his channel and that's kind of where it started so we've kind of just been internet friends ever since but I did meet him one time when he was in Toronto <laughs> so yeah that's so cool that's so cool I'm a I'm a big big Vsauce fan um so then just like whatever it was a month ago he he shared a video of your your silica gel thing that's how i found you and then that i'm guessing once again that like gave you a big kind of like boost in uh in traffic to your to your store it did it was crazy <laughs> i sold out of that candy in two days that month i think i got over 1000 sales in just a few weeks since he made that video wow and it was kind of just for an entire week or two working on getting all these orders out it's really crazy but really fun too and now i'm actually using a lot of the money i made on reordering some stuff that sold out and trying to see if i can get more candy made because i actually need a new candy manufacturer i want to make more candy so now i'm on a mission to see if i can get a new candy <laughs> manufacturer and trying to reorder stuff but also making new stuff so i'm all over the place right now just really busy <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, though. I Actually, like, speaking of kind of these like early internet days and like sharing your stuff on your blog, how do you feel about 
how the internet is like different from from what it was because i feel like you definitely come from an era of like tumblr and like early youtube and blogging where i don't know there's a different kind of vibe to like sharing your work and putting yourself out there on the internet now than maybe like 10 years ago do you know do you know what i mean oh my god yes i know what you mean <laughs> and Honestly, I think it's so much worse. Yeah. So much worse now. It's everything about it is worse, in my opinion. And I I don't think it's one of those things where I'm just being nostalgic for the past. I just think everything used to be better because everyone's life was not on their phone back then. Maybe people started using Instagram and things like that, but it was not this huge thing back then. So people would still actually browse things mostly on desktop and they would be browsing all sorts of different websites. So there was a lot of different blogs that you could check out. So many design blogs back then, most of which are now gone because a lot of things are just moving to social media. So most people are taking in social media like Instagram and not browsing the website, even of the Instagram they're, they're following. Right. So I feel like the internet is getting smaller in that sense that everything is now kind of being funneled into just these main apps that everyone uses. And the internet is also being absorbed more just on your mobile rather than on desktop. So I think it's it's kind of unfortunate because I don't think that's better in my opinion. I think the content just gets worse and everything about it gets worse. And I also noticed that when I'm brainstorming a new product idea or trying to get inspired by creative projects or creative products, and I'm Google searching, um, like, oh, creative erasers or just something creative that someone has done before. And I go to see what's been done. All of the best projects are always older stuff because mm. I just feel like there people aren't making as many creative things as they used to or maybe they're just not putting them up in the right areas anymore of the internet and they're harder to find I'm not really sure but every time I find these new amazing creative projects that inspire me they're usually older projects <laughs> interesting huh that is interesting, but yeah, there's probably something to that. Yeah, because I think it probably comes down to like the how the technology has changed, but I feel like the culture of the early internet was much more experimental, weird, crazy, silly ideas, and it was kind of just like anything goes. And maybe now there's more of a culture of like, you know, I don't know, it has to be a little bit more kind of like, I don't know broadly appealing or like I'm not really sure where I'm going but the, the, there does feel like there's a little bit less of that experimental weird creativity that like the early internet like fostered yeah well I guess um maybe like closing thoughts what advice would you would you give to someone on kind of the topic of creativity and how to be creative, how to, how to like live a, a creative life. I, I feel like you're a great example of like what awesome things can come of just, you know, 
making ideas and putting your stuff out there? Yeah, so I think people should be more creative overall, especially people who are creative at heart, but they're afraid to pursue it. And I've met many people like this. Mm. So many people who they are creative and they have done some interesting things or they've had some interesting ideas, but they don't kind of go all in. So some people in the past have told me that they kind of fear the negativity and the comments they can get from people online. So (laughs) usually what I say to that is that I think almost every single thing I've ever made and posted online has had negative comments before. Some more than others. Some (laughs) some have like had really emotional haters where these people are passionate of how much they hate my ideas or the product or the project. So it's bound to happen, but usually what I tell people is that the negative comments are usually just a negative comment, and that's where it ends. Normally, if someone posts a negative comment, they don't kind of make it their mission to try to ruin your life or, you know, do any sort of action beyond just that comment. But the positive comments and the positive feedback, people who really like your project they're probably going to follow you and they're probably going to buy your stuff and they might actually want to email you and reach out and maybe collaborate or maybe they want to meet you and become your new network connection and maybe they'll give you advice for something. There's a million outcomes that could come from people actually liking your work that outweigh by a thousand just some negative comments that someone once wrote and don't really mean anything really. <laughs> yeah, that's actually such a great point. Yeah, I like the way you put it. Like a negative comment just ends there, but a positive comment or someone who has a positive reaction to your work, that can turn into a lot. Yeah, that's cool. All right, well, I don't know, Dory. I think that's uh, that's a good good place to, to wrap it up. Thanks so much for, for chatting with me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Graphic Design is Fun podcast. If you want to support the show, you can share it with your friends, share it with your coworkers. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can leave a five-star review. Any of those things helps a ton. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Oh, and you can follow on Instagram at graphic design is fun. Yo.